Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 18th day of July 2022. Happy two Monday. Happy Monday to you. 2022, yeah. And Monday. I got all of that right. I'm pretty sure I did. It's not because I'm drunk. I swear to God. And I'm not drunk. I can't say not because it's drunk. Uh, I am not drunk. I'm a little tired, but I'm not drunk. I uh, have, I am in Michigan right now, I believe, <clears throat> hopefully, won't know till tomorrow, uh, that I've found a solution to internet and the lack of it at my dad's house. Something's working right now to stream movies and stuff, but we don't know. Well, I know I'm the only one here aside from him. Uh, well, I'll have to check tomorrow to see if it's good enough to do radio. So fingers crossed on that. Uh, that means that this, until, I'll be back with a new, sh- I don't know, later this week, Thursday or Friday, I'll be back with a new show. I'm here for a couple, of, I'm going home Tuesday or Wednesday, and then back on the air on Thursday on radio, so probably a new show Thursday or Friday, we'll do it. That being said, there'll be something new here every day, uh, tomorrow, for example, or maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe Wednesday. I have an interview I did with Kurt Schlichter for his new book that I will air. It's going to be short. It's like 15 minutes, but it uh, it works and it's new. And like I say, every single day, there will be something new here in this space because that's the commitment I made. And the Weekend F and Review will be new. Uh, speaking of the Weekend F and Review, thanks to everybody who listened. And for those of you who entered the contest at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com, uh, I'm going to keep that rolling for one more week because I forgot to uh, draw and take pictures and everything for uh, before I left because I left at like 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. So we'll just roll this over for one more week and I'll tell you now the book that's coming up next week is whichever one isn't one this week plus or against Kurt Schlichter's new book. Went to his book party on Thursday and got him to sign it. And he wrote, Fight the Power. So I had him do that expressly for the ability to give that away on the program. So you at least know what's coming, but uh, I won't, it'll be next week's contest. Anyway, without any further ado, let us start the program. There is a, a lot going on out there, and I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, where do you go? Where do you start? I want to start off with just a brief update. On that uh, horrible story about the 10-year-old who was allegedly raped in Ohio. It's amazing to me how this story went absolutely crazy viral before anybody bothered to do any kind of checking of anything. And the circumstance, I don't know what the circumstances are of the alleged rape. It certainly seems absolutely horrible. But Jorge Bonilla of the Media Research Center over there, he, uh, he monitors the Hispanic media. Telemundo, Maria Vargas Pinon, I don't know how to pronounce it, went and tracked down the mother of the child who was allegedly raped. 
knocked on the door of their apartment and asked, you know, some some basic questions that you'd think journalists would would uh, want to know the answers to. The mother says that the girl is fine and that everything they're saying against him, meaning the guy that was arrested and charged with raping her, is a lie. Everything saying against him, everything they're saying about him is a lie. Now, this begs a whole bunch of, and the guy's name is uh, Gerson Flores. This begs a lot of questions. Did the, we need to know whether or not this actually happened? I don't, honestly, I don't know how a 10-year-old gets pregnant. I don't, I, I guess puberty can happen that early, but it doesn't seem likely. But I get, you know, exceptions happen. But also we need to know, is this accused rapist, pedophile, the boyfriend of the mother? Are there other kids living in that house? Now, the mother doesn't open the door. The mother cracks the door just a little bit. She refuses to talk. So you don't know what's going on in there. If this was the mother's boyfriend, then why have... uh, And the mother is sitting there saying, no, no, quote... Yes, she's fine. Everything that they're saying against him is a lie. One would say maybe maybe you should um, investigate whether or not the child, that child and the other children should be removed from the home. Now, yes, the alleged perpetrator is in prison, and that's a good thing, but there's a perpetrator, and if this is case this there'd be an enabler too right because if the mother was living with this alleged rapist and knew that this alleged rapist had raped her daughter her 10 year old daughter actually i think uh, i read somewhere that the, the kid would have been nine at the time which again makes it seem a little bit odd that I don't know. Maybe you can start puberty that early. I don't know. But uh, if she was living with the father, with the uh, boyfriend at the time, the accused at the time, then there has been time. Have they been living together since then? This allegedly happened twice. Therefore, what did she know and when did she know it? And for how long did she know it? Shouldn't Child Protective Services be out of there? Now they're saying, well, there's a, it's all conducted in Spanish. That's why I'm not playing you any of this. It's highly probable that this mother is an illegal alien. The accused rapist is an illegal alien. It's kind of funny. Some liberal activist out there with a big social media, for, I can't remember who it was. It's irrelevant who it was. was going, oh, the uh, the rapist, the alleged rapist, Gerson Flores, he's been in the country for seven years. So he's not in the country based on anything having to do with Joe Biden's immigration policies. And you sit there and you go, these people are stupid. Who was president and vice president seven years ago? Oh, yeah, Obama, Biden. That's right. The vice president was Joe Biden. Those immigration policies that are now being continued after a four-year hiatus of a crazy time where we had enforcement of our immigration laws, um, 
Yeah, so if he'd been here seven years, that would put him smack dab on the uh, Biden administration clock or Joe Biden's clock. But also, and we'll find this out, I suppose, over time, how many interactions with police officers has uh, Mr. Flores had in that time? When sanctuary policies, it's not just about Joe Biden, but sanctuary policies of, say, Cleveland, Ohio said, well, yeah, he's an illegal alien. We've got him here for drunk driving or whatever, fighting, whatever it is, or who knows? Maybe it's uh, somebody accused him of doing something with a different underage girl. We don't know. We'll have to wait to see if journalism is done. Not when, but if journalism is done. But if there were contacts with police in Columbus and the amnesty, the the policies of the Democratic Party to allow sanctuary were in place, then that person wouldn't have been deported, right? Could have been prevented if laws had been followed, even if the mother... And the children had been deported. The chances of this rape happening go down to zero because they would not have been in this in the vicinity of this alleged child rapist. We don't know. What's amazing to me is that there are very few, if any, reporters out there at all interested in finding these things out. This is worth looking into. This is important to figure out if you are at all interested in preventing this from happening again. That's the key, that last part. You have to be interested in figuring this out again, figuring out and preventing this from happening again, which would require you to actually give a damn about it having happened in the first place, which Democrats don't. They don't. To the extent that they can exploit it for their own causes, the only thing that they have expressed outrage over is the the idea that this 10-year-old girl, who apparently was nine years old when this uh, rape occurred, their only concern is that she had to drive from Ohio to Indiana to get this alleged abortion. Okay? Did that... Remember, this was reported and reported and reported without any... It was She was a rape victim. She, no concern at all. Like, hey, uh, anybody call the police on this uh, alleged rapist? Anybody have any idea? Because, you know, for, what, a couple of weeks, this accused rapist was out there free and clear, free to rape again, if so inclined. Shouldn't that bother Democrats? Conservatives are going, where the hell is this alleged rapist? Does this alleged rapist exist? If he does exist, let's get him behind bars as quickly as possible. And Democrats are going, don't you understand? This girl had to drive. Drive to another state. The Attorney General of Ohio said, no, she didn't have to drive. We could have handled that here. But that There are a lot of, uh, a lot of crimes that occurred here if this crime occurred here. It's not just the child rape. It is the abortion doctor that they first went to in the state of Ohio did not call police, apparently. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they did. Maybe we've all been misinformed. Um, All of that, the Indiana 
violation of the the doctor in Indiana has been uh, charged with violating HIPAA, health and uh, the privacy laws in healthcare, by outing this little girl, the abortion activist, for for just talking about the case. That's a small violation. They don't really care about that, but they had to accuse her of that because it was so obvious that she did. If this person exists, she violated that person's privacy. But she did it for the most noble of causes, so the repercussions will likely be nothing. Uh, Noble causes meaning the advancement of the abortion agenda, not the idea of getting a child rapist off the streets. See, Democrats' lives are about priorities. And uh, good people are exactly none of them, of their priorities. But there's a lot more to look into in this case. There's a lot more to figure out in this case. And it may well boil down to, were it not for the open border policies of the Democrat Party, this never would have happened. That these people should not have come together because they would never have met were they not both welcomed into this country with open arms and uh, under whatever circumstances they want, just walked in and allowed to stay. If this guy ends up being like your average uh, drug dealer in Baltimore who eventually graduates up to murder, they say, oh, what happened? He's been arrested 17 times and now uh, he killed somebody it's a horrible horrible tragedy like now yeah. if this person had run-ins with police and official liberal democrat policies forbade ice from being told from being called on the sweet sweet nourishing illegal aliens who democrats look at as our moral and uh, really every other way possible superiors then this falls exactly on Democrats' hands, just like Kate Steinle's murder did. Now, will it matter? <sighs> I'd like to think, yeah, but the cynic in me knows that it won't. The cynic in me knows that if we discover these things about this guy, and there are people out there who are looking into this, they have small social media footprints, a woman named Megan Fox is the one who first started questioning this story and started digging around and tried to find anybody because there was a child rapist out there, tried to find whether or not this story was true. She is a, a journalist and what have you. She writes for PJ Media and Medium. She has 20,000 followers on Twitter. What kind of a dent can you make? We can make a dent, I suppose, with that, in some way, she's made this story happen. But if it really turns out to be bad for Democrats, this story will go away. It'll be reported and then dropped like a hot potato. There, we've reported on it. Let's go away. Do you really think they're going to follow up on this? If you believe that, meaning the media that most people access, if you believe that, then ask yourself, what's the latest developments in the legal saga of the Christmas Parade murderer. Yeah, do you even remember what I'm talking about? The guy, the black guy who wanted to kill a bunch of white people, who deliberately wanted to kill a bunch of white people, drove his car into a Christmas parade? Waukesha? Any of that sound familiar? Yeah. 
You don't know what's going on with that. It's not important. They reported as it happened, and then they discovered, oh, crap, it goes against the liberal narrative. Let's ignore it. How about the New York City subway shooter? Remember that guy? Remember that guy? You any idea what's going on with him? Where is... No, you don't. You know why? Because it stopped being a national story once they found out that this guy had posted a whole bunch of videos of himself preaching essentially the 1619 Project, but with a more colorful language. And he no, it no longer mattered. Doesn't hurt that he didn't kill anybody, luckily, but he shot a bunch of people. The manhunt, they caught him and they said, oh, crap, narrative not helped. Moving on. I wonder if his trial will even be covered on court. I wonder if either of those trials will be covered on court TV. This story will be memory hold just like those. The more inconvenient facts come out. The more inconvenient facts that become known, the more questions it leads to about how these Democrats maybe um, enabled this circumstance to happen. The less you'll hear about it. They never cared in the first place. They never gave a damn. In the f- That's the only way to explain how you can use the rape of a nine or ten year old and not once go, and there's an evil child rapist out there. It's no. It's just, you know, that I had to, because she had, the outrage isn't the, the fact that she had to take a car ride. The outrage is that she was raped. That was never the outrage for Democrats. It was how many miles she had to put on her car, her family's car, to get the abortion. Should have been, got the abortion seemingly to cover up the crime, right? Seemingly to cover up the crime. If you're not actively calling the police on uh, your rapist, but maybe if you're mom's boyfriend is your alleged rapist and he lives with you, that begs the question, who drove her to get that abortion? Did the doctor performing it, the abortion activist that started all of this, did she know that the alleged rapist was in the car? If the alleged rapist was in the car, he was the one driving her over there? Or did she pull the ostrich defense of sticking her head in the sand or someplace else and not asking questions? Because it doesn't seem as though she was asking a whole lot of questions. Once she found out, oh, the kid's pregnant, uh, it was rape, because it has to be rape because a 9-, 10-year-old cannot give consent in any meaning in any way whatsoever. You didn't look at maybe the dude who drove her there? Because you might say, well, have you caught the rapist? And if that guy suddenly starts going, well, uh, geez, uh, uh, let's not throw around words like that, you might be thinking... I don't know, a normal human being would go, that, that, guy, that, guy might, that guy knows something at a minimum. That would bother a decent human being. We're not dealing with decent human beings. We're dealing with progressive activists and agenda uber alles. All of these things will be worth knowing. It's just a matter of whether or not we will actually get to know them because the people who have to ask the questions, the people whose job it is to ask the questions, aren't interested in asking the questions all right we're gonna shift it up here now 
the crying you're hearing if you're paying attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C. and in uh, newsrooms across the country is that the Democrats hope of a massive, massive, all-encompassing omnibus bill that they could ram through in reconciliation have been dashed. They've been dashed again by Joe Manchin. Now, I love the sound of Democrats crying. I really do. It is uh, it's a glorious, glorious sound. One of the best, actually. It's up there with, like, babies laughing. But you have to wonder, what in the hell... Why was Joe Manchin even engaged in these negotiations? If at the last moment he goes, you know what, I'm not interested. I don't like the concept. Like, well, then why the hell have you been negotiating for the last couple of months on the concept if you don't like the concept? You know, if I'm a Democrat, I'm not ticked off that Joe Biden or that Joe Manchin has let me down. I'm ticked off that he's wasted my time. That would be me. New York Times has a story, and I love how these people are so upset. And this is where the joy comes in. It says, uh, Senator Joe Manchin III, Democrat, West Virginia, pulled the plug on Thursday on negotiations to salvage key pieces of President Biden's agenda, informing his party's leaders that he would not support funding for climate or energy programs or raising taxes on wealthy Americans and corporations. Now, that's all one sentence. I don't know why these news stories have one giant, long-ass, run-on sentence as their lead paragraph, and then they get down to like writing like a normal person in the body of the piece. But that's what they do, these long, long, run-on sentences. The decision by Mr. Manchin, a conservative-leaning Democrat whose opposition has effectively stalled Mr. Biden's economic package, in the evenly divided Senate, dealt a devastating blow to his party's efforts to enact broad social safety net, climate, and tax package. you got to love the way it's framing. It's not a massive expansion of government. It's not a usurpation of power. It's not a power grab. It is not trying to ram things through in reconciliation that were never intended. Reconciliation was never intended for. Nope, it's, they're stalling Joe Biden's agenda as though his mere uh, being president means that he should have been able to get his things done. How Demo- Look, Democrats have effective control of Congress and he's a Democrat president, duly elected. He should be able to get these things done. Why is this guy obstructing Joe Biden's agenda? And you go, boy, where was this... Uh, deferential attitude toward the president and a majority party when Donald Trump was president and Republicans controlled everything. Oh, that's right. It didn't exist. Wildly different, uh, wildly different terms when it's a Republican. It was uh, Democrats are standing uh, on the wall, protecting the people. Very different tune. In recent months, Democrats had slashed their ambitions for such a plan to win over Mr. Manchin, hoping he would agree to support even a fraction of the sweeping initiative they once envisioned. His abrupt shift appears to have dashed those aspirations. Don't you love? It's it's almost like a a description of Terra in Gone with the Wind, the way that they describe what Democrats would like to do. And then they're scaling it back, and now they're like, oh, and this guy just ruined everything. In a meeting on Thursday with Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, the majority leader, Mr. Manchin, said he would support a package that would include a negotiated plan aimed at lowering the cost of prescription drugs 
and an extension of the expanded Affordable Care Act subsidies set to lapse at the end of the year. That's it. Now, those are bad. I, well, it's particularly the I don't know enough about the Affordable Care Act subsidies, although I can imagine subsidies are always bad. But the uh, the push for a government to, quote, negotiate and lower the cost of prescription drugs is a horrible, horrible one. It is a horrible, horrible one. It is, it is price controls by proxy. And this, well, it's not price controls. Because the government isn't saying, here's the price of the drug. They're negotiating. There's no negotiation. You sit down with the mafia don, and they got that piece of paper there and the gun. And they say, well, your brains or your signature is going to be on this piece of paper by the time this negotiation is done. Guess who has an upper hand when it comes to negotiation? It ain't you. It's the person with the gun to your head or the potential gun to your head potentially. That's who has the advantage. That's what government does. Well, government in Medicare, for example, they uh, have they are the sole payer insurer for everybody 65, not everybody, but most people 65 years and older. So that's about 40, 50 million people. You want access to that market. The only way to do it is to play ball with the government. So if the government says, this is the price we're going to pay, this is what we're going to set, guess what you pretty much kind of have to do? You can either have access to that. If uh, you say, well, five bucks a pill, and the government says, no, five, uh, a dollar a pill, not five bucks. I don't care how much it costs you to do research and development. I don't care that you got to make a profit and to be able to do more research and development. It's about our bottom line. And so we'll give you a dollar per pill. And that's it, period. End of story. Well, you, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. All you have to do is say no. And then you're cutting yourself off from 50 million customers. I'm sure that'll go over well with your company, and I'm sure you'll you'll thrive and flourish economically because senior citizens take the most prescription drugs of any group, except for maybe kids who they dope up so they don't talk back in class because it's easier just to numb them than to try and stimulate them. It's beside the point, going off on a tangent here. But you get the idea. If you don't play ball, you don't get it. Who suffers? Oh, the drug companies suffer. They absolutely do. You know who else suffers? The patients. The patients. Now, let's say there are three drugs that handle whatever it is, whatever your issue is. Three drugs that handle it or deal with it. One of them might work for you, and two of them might not work for you. You might be lucky and all of them work for you. You never know. But everybody is different. DNA matters when it comes to how medicines interact with your body. The reason that there are multiple different types of medicines for the same thing is for that very same reason that this one might work for 20% of the population. You don't want to deny 20% of the population because 80% can't use that drug. So they develop drugs that will work for more of the population, so on and so forth. But if the government says, we're only going to pay for one of those drugs, guess what happens? Unless you do your own research, and a lot of people don't because they trust their doctors, unless you're willing to do your own research to figure out that there are two other options out there, the only option presented to you will be the one that the government pays for, the government is willing to pay. 
If that one doesn't work for you, if you're part of that 80%, tough. You may and likely will never know that the other ones exist because the odds of your doctor talking to you about them are slim to none because the doctor knows that Medicare isn't going to pick up the cost for it. And so that's either more work for your doctor. You got to try and contact the drug company and say, hey, you should consider helping this person out by giving them free ones, which drug companies routinely do or they got to fight with the insurance companies, or they've just got to write a prescription and hope that you can afford whatever the unsubsidized, not even copay, but cost of that prescription drug is. The doctor doesn't want to deal with that hassle. And if you can't afford the drug, there's really no point in telling you about the drug because then you just get upset that you can't have the drug and you probably become a, a hassle to the doctor. There's nothing that says the doctor has to tell you about these things. You also then start seeing research and development go the way of the dodo new drugs being developed stop why well because you're trying to develop a new drug that would help a lot of senior citizens and that's going to cost a billion and a half dollars to develop that drug and you know what you're never going to be able to recoup if the government starts setting the prices that cost of that one and a half billion dollars forget the fact that you need more than one and a half billion dollars because you need the billion and a half to recoup what you spent already and then more money to be able to afford to do more research and development and you only have a seven-year window in which your patent remains you know there's outrage this year after 90 years or whatever the hell it is disney might be losing the copyright on the original mickey mouse because it's it's been there. They're trying to frame it as, oh, and they're che- those damned Republicans are going after Mickey Mouse again. Like, no, the law clearly states, however, ninety years or whatever it is, and uh, they've changed it before to protect Disney, to protect Disney and keep them in, knee deep in Mickey Mouse copyrights. And the Los Angeles Times wants them to do it again. They want Republicans in Washington D.C. to go along with it, even though they don't have any power. They got to go along with it. Well, they shouldn't. Drug companies get seven years. Seven years. That's not a lot of time to recoup more than a billion dollars, especially if you're researching something and you discovered something, you developed something that is a horrible, is a treatment for a horrible disease, but maybe 10,000 people a year get. It's something rare. That's the reason that these things exist. That's the reason the free market exists. That's the reason these drugs exist is because the drug companies are able to recoup the cost of developing those drugs, those kinds of drugs. The government says, no, you're charging too much. Okay, fine, we'll negotiate with the government. But you know what? Everything that impacts a few thousand people a year is no longer going to be researched. Why? Because it'll be impossible to recoup the money you lay out for it. So you'd better hope that you and everybody you care about either comes down with something that a lot of people get or something for which there's already a treatment and the existing treatment works for you because otherwise you're screwed. But boy, howdy, will you be paying less for your prescription drugs? You just won't have any drugs to take, but you can thank a Democrat for that and see how this works out. That's why what's remaining that Joe Manchin has agreed to is still just as bad. It's just as bad. Oh, it's terrible, but he's willing to do that. 
And it's still not enough for the left, by the way. The left has been whining about this and wanting this for a very long time. But like I always say, their 99% friend is their 100% enemy. End of story. So all the left is outraged over Joe Manchin. Not just his existence, but the idea that he has a say. And you're going to see think piece after think piece written everywhere about the population of West Virginia versus the population of, say, just Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles. I believe there are more people living in the city of Los Angeles than in the entire state of West Virginia. And they'll say, why is it that California, which has 15 times the population of West Virginia, only has two senators, and West Virginia has two senators? That is an outrage, and we need to change the United States Senate to reflect the population. We have that. It's called the House of Representatives. The United States Senate is designed to be the great leveler. California has more members of the House of Representatives than any other state, and they are overwhelmingly liberal. But they have two senators, both of whom are overwhelmingly liberal. If you want to be ruled by New York and California, then you go the way the Democrats want. Given the fact that it's really difficult to get a U-Haul out of California, because they're all gone, people have already left California. I suspect that the vast majority of people do not share that sentiment and think, well, I love not living in California. I just wish where I live now sucked as bad as California does. By the way, the United States Senate was created expressly to represent the rights and interests of the states, governments, not the citizenry, the House of Representatives, was supposed to represent the citizenry. That's why it was based on population, whereas the Senate was not even directly elected. They were appointed or elected by their state legislatures or appointed by their governors, whoever they saw fit. Democrats knew they would never get their progressive agenda through with that configuration of the United States Senate, so they changed the Constitution. Back when they used to recognize that you can't just decide the Constitution says uh, something different than the plain language in which it is written. I could go off on this for hours, but I'm going off on a tangent there. I want to talk about the rest of this story because there is... uh, It shows you how unhinged mentally Democrats are. This uh, New York Times piece about Joe Manchin pulling the plug on Joe Biden's ambitious agenda rather than, you know, basic usurpation of power and circumventing of norms and laws. Remember, it was during the Trump administration. It was, oh, my norms, my norms. He's upsetting all the norms. He's not acting in a normal way. Democrats, when have they? Barack Obama legislated through executive order. That wasn't the norm, but he did it. They didn't care. Donald Trump, by the way, didn't legislate through executive order. They just always called him a fascist. Pretty sure that Hitler didn't spend a lot of time grousing about what the uh, the government, what his government isn't passing and fast enough. He just had him do it. Fascists have a way of doing it. Or they just enacted them. The story continues about Manchin, so horrible. In rejecting any climate and energy provisions, Mr. Manchin appeared to have single-handedly shattered Mr. Biden's ambitious climate agenda. You gotta love it. It's an ambitious climate agenda. 
Republicans, they've got a dangerous business agenda that favors the rich or whatever. They always find a way to spin it negative. But when a leftist wants to essentially have the government seize large swaths of the economy, it's an ambitious, ambitious agenda. Yeah. He's going to try to eat 92% of the cake. He's going to leave that 8% for uh, everybody else until the next time Democrats are hungry, and then they'll gobble that up as well. It's, it's ambition for you. Republicans are monsters. Republicans are trying to to enforce the laws of this country when it comes to immigration. They are trying to defend the sovereignty of the United States of America. My God, have you ever heard anything more Hitler-esque than that? But Democrats are ambitious. And what would have been the largest single federal investment in American history towards addressing the toll of climate change. It's not government spending. It is not record-setting massive government spending and taxing and regulation. It is the single largest federal investment. It's just an investment, you see. Now, have you ever... Look, I'm sure everybody's lost money in some kind of investment. Is Even something as basic as I've got a 10 spot, I'm going to feed it into this the slot machine. Now, you're not you're not going, I'm going to burn this $10 bill. You're going, I'm going to put this $10 bill in there, hoping that I get a whole bunch of its friends to come back out. It's technically, in the most technical sense of the word, an investment. It's gambling, but whatever. Making an example here. Give me a break. But you you have a 401k. You have maybe stocks. You, you maybe have... Uh, comic books or baseball cards or other things of value. You have, uh, some people have precious metals. You know, the other day when the, the plumber was over to the house, I looked up what the spot price of copper was at the time. It was like $3.83 or 38 cents or something like that. I was like, holy crap. Because when I was roofing, it was, when it went up to like 90 cents a pound, we thought we were a uh, hog and slop. And we'd take it to the scrapyard and get like 50 bucks a piece, and it was awesome. Now it's like huge compared to that. Anyway, an investment, you put money in hoping to get money out. More money out. Nobody wants to lose money. Although if you're invested heavily in crypto, eh, if you were late to the game, you probably are losing money. But that's beside the point. Um, but government spending is an investment. There is no, here's money, we're going to totally make more money because the government doesn't make money. That's not how the government works. It's just spending. But if you say massive government spending, largest, single largest federal spending in American history towards it, then suddenly people go, ew, that's, uh, why is the government spending even more? We're spending $5 trillion. We got $30 trillion in, in debt. We're spending, I don't know, a trillion and a half dollars more annually than we take in do we need more massive government spending so they call it investment it's weird the benefits of the doubt that democrats get uh his decision they say came just days after a report showed that prices surged to 9.1 percent they didn't surge to 9.1%. They surged 9.1% year over year. Not to 9... Prices are now 9.1%. Who edits this crap? Uh, in June, exacerbating existing fears about inflation and rising costs for everyday Americans. 
What a condescending... T- I've always been bothered by... Everyday Americans. Ordinary Americans. When you use those terms, what is the implication? You're talking about other people, people other than yourself. You're politicians speaking about other people other than yourself. That means why I'm here representing ordinary Americans. Why that makes you extraordinary, right? These are average Americans. Well, then you're uh, above average American, right? But while Mr. Manchin has long sounded alarms about inflation and the national debt, he has also maintained openness to overhauling the tax code, a position he appears to have reversed. Again, paging George Orwell, massive Democrat tax hikes portrayed not as tax hikes, but as overhauling the tax code. Wow, there you go. A team of Madison Avenue marketers could not have done a more thorough and better job of polishing the turd that is Democrat policies. It stunned Democratic officials who had labored to win Mr. Manchin's vote. Now, how? You're trying to win him over, you're trying to, and you didn't. And how are you stunned? You can be disappointed, but stunned seems like we had him, we had him. And then he went and thought for himself. That's stunned. As recently as Friday, Democrats said they had coalesced around a plan to use funds from raising taxes on some high-earning Americans to extend the solvency of a key Medicare fund. But it was particularly devastating for those who had championed the climate and energy provisions. Pour one out this weekend for these people, ladies and gentlemen. They are... uh, particularly devastated. In calls to various climate activists on Thursday night, Mr. Schumer and his staff sounded shell-shocked and said they believed until just a few hours before the deal that a deal was still possible, said one person who spoke with Mr. Schumer. Without action by Congress, it will be impossible to meet Mr. Biden's goal of cutting U.S. emissions roughly in half by the end of this decade. Oh, no. You mean we're not going to be able... Without this, we won't be able to slice our own throats. We will not be able to take a golf club to our own Achilles tendons and ruin our economy even further. Don't you? How are you going to sleep tonight knowing that we've all let down Joe Biden? (sighs) That target was aimed at keeping the planet uh, aimed at keeping the planet to stabilize the climate at about 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming compared to pre-industrial levels. These people are just making it up. They have no idea what the temperature globally was then. They're measuring temperatures from the atmosphere versus temperatures from 200 years ago that were taken haphazardly by people who were moderately literate and on the surface. And they're saying, see, see, see. None of their predictions of doom and gloom have come true, but that's beside the point. The Earth has already warmed by 1.1 degrees Celsius, or about 2 degrees Fahrenheit. Lawmakers and activists who have led the charge for action to combat climate change expressed outrage on Thursday night. Oh no, how will we ever survive? Quote, 
I'm not going to sugarcoat my disappointment here, especially since nearly all issues in the climate and energy space had been resolved, said Senator Ron Wyden, an Oregon Democrat and the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. This is our last chance to prevent the most catastrophic and costly effects of climate change. We can't come back in another decade and forestall hundreds of billions, if not trillions, in economic damage and undo the inevitable human toll. Well, it's weird. We're back, you know, decades, decades, decades. Well, we've had 30-plus years of 10 years to stop this, 10 years to do that 10 years, it's too late. We're past at least, I don't know, 30, 40 tipping points by this point, but we're told there's always more we could do. All we have to do is capitulate to Democrats. Capitulate. Capitulate. Now, this is a funny part, another funny part. Leah Stokes, a professor of environmental policy at the University of California, Santa Barbara, who has advised congressional Democrats on climate legislation, sobbed on Thursday night as she described the months of work she and other activists, scientists, and legislative staff had poured into negotiations. Quote, The stakes are so high, it's just so infuriating that he is condemning our own children. That monster. There are people on social media complaining about Joe Manchin. He's representing the interests of the uh, coal and oil industry. He's putting that over the good of his own party. And you sit there and you go, um, he's from West Virginia. West Virginia is a coal state. He is representing the wishes and wills of his constituents. He's putting them over that of his party. What does that tell you about Democrats? What tells you about Democrats is that they demand obedience to the party, right? Isn't that what they're saying? Isn't that what they're trying to imply or what they're flat out coming out and saying? They're, uh, they're, he's not doing the bidding of his party. He's, he's concerned about the lives and livelihood of the thing. But Newsweek. This is from Newsweek, quote, the West Virginia senator is accused of being a stooge for the coal industry for not backing Democrats' climate spending plans. <laughs> he's representing his own people. He's, he's representing the people that he was elected to represent. Right? Never forget that. Never. That's what it is. But that's not how it's framed. It's Joe Manchin is blocking Joe Biden. He's a monster. How could he do? How could he block Joe Biden's agenda? Well, there was no such outrage when it was Democrats blocking the Republican agenda, when it was Donald Trump as the president of the United States. They didn't give a damn. They didn't care. There was no think pieces and no news stories talking about how Democrats are thwarting the will. No, Democrats are using procedures to slow down Republicans and try and stop them from implementing their radical agenda. It's weird how it's different, isn't it? It's very weird to me. It strikes me as odd. Very, very odd. Anyway... It's not odd that I'm going to end the show there on the word odd, because odd, odd, <laughs> it reminds me of Judge Smales in uh, Caddyshack when they're getting ready to tee off for the big tournament at the end, the contest at the end. Uh, it's your culture, odd or even. Odd. 
It's your honor, your honor. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Abbreviated editions this week. I appreciate your understanding. Greetings from the lovely state of Michigan. And uh, yeah, there you go. Have a wonderful Monday. We'll see you on Tuesday.